As race weekends go, Qatar was out of this world for Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen is the world champion of 2023. He is champion of the world for the third time. Brabham, Stewart, Lauda, Piquet, Senna, and now Verstappen. Yeah, unbelievable, guys. Yeah, I don't know what to say, but an incredible year. I thank you for providing me with such a car. It's been a pleasure so far this year. To be able to achieve something like this, um, I can't thank you all enough. He sealed the 2023 driver's title in Saturday's sprint and won his first race as a three-time world champion on Sunday. Max Verstappen is almost home. He was second yesterday in the sprint, but this has been 57 victory laps to celebrate the title that he won yesterday. Max Verstappen wins the Qatar Grand Prix to take his 49th career win. Another win. That's uh, unbelievable. <laughs> It was win number 14 of the season for Max, but McLaren were close and there was controversy down at Mercedes. There's lots to discuss on this week's F1 Nation and joining me, Tom Clarkson, are Sam Power from Channel 10 in Australia and Aston Martin driver ambassador, Jessica Hawkins. We hope you enjoy the show and let's start by hearing from the man himself, the three-time world champion and the Qatar Grand Prix winner, Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen, you are a three-time world champion. How good does that sound? Uh, I mean, uh, of course, it sounds great. Um, it's something, of course, I never even really dreamt of, you know. It's, of course, a very proud moment for myself, uh, for my family, uh, my close family. Um, I think everyone within the team I'm working with, you know, to be able to experience all of this together is... is um, Amazing, and I said it on the radio already on, on the in-lab. Of course, we talk about performance and, you know, you can always thank the team for that, but I also find the whole atmosphere and how much I enjoy working with all these people, I find that probably even more important. And uh, it's very important to come to the track and know that you have, you know, nice people to work with. Of your three titles, where do you rank this one? Uh, this one is the best one. I think the first one was the most emotional one because that's when your dreams are fulfilled in, in, in F1. Um, but this one has been my best year for, you know, consecutive wins and stuff like that. The car itself has been probably in, in the best shape as well. So uh, I'm the most proud of in a way because of uh, consistency. Throw it back to the start of the year when you first drove the RB19 in testing. Did you know instantly that this was the car that could take you to your third title? It's always difficult to say. I mean, it always felt nice and uh, I thought, yeah, it had a good balance, but you never know what the other teams came up with over the winter time. And we really expected it to be close into, into Bahrain. But I think, we, I think we were all positively surprised with how good the car was there. But that's one track. And um, of course, when you go to the next tracks and you can see, you know, the car's always been quick and especially in the race, like we always had really good race pace. Then I think that's, all, of course, always very promising. And yeah, throughout the year, I mean... We had a lot of great results in, in tough conditions as well, where it was easy to make a mistake as a team, even if you would have a dominant car. But uh, yeah, I think for most of the races, we, we just did a, an incredible job. At what point in the season did you know you had the title in your hands? Well, not until this point, right? But uh, <laughs> now, of course, the, the momentum was growing and uh, race after race, you know, the gap was getting bigger. So I was just 
you know, looking at myself, just trying to go to every single weekend, trying to get the best out of it. Um, that for me at that time is more important than dreaming about the title because dreaming, you know, that doesn't really bring you anywhere. It's about the effort and, and work you put in, you know, to try and achieve uh, your goals. Christian Horner says you're operating at a level he's never previously seen. Do you think you've raised your game this year? Uh, I keep trying to you know, improve. And of course, I don't necessarily think, you know, I'm, I become a faster driver, but you have a lot more experience in, in the car. You know, you grow as a driver. You grow also, I think, as a person in life. And uh, I think all these kind of things, you know, when I compare it to my first season in Formula One, they help you a lot in terms of just dealing with every kind of pressure situation throughout the weekend, you know, everything that might be thrown at you in, in difficult conditions, for example. And at the end, it's, it's all about, you know, trying to deliver every single weekend, which is, I think, very hard in, in Formula One. And Max, how much more can you achieve in this sport? How many more titles have you got in you? Depends a lot also on the package, right? Uh, that's how Formula One works. Personally, I'm, I mean, I'm still young, even though I'm already in F1 for a while. I, I think, uh, yeah, I definitely have a f quite a few more years in me to, to be able to, to operate at my best. But yeah, we'll see how long that is, to be honest. I think it's more about how long I want to be here. That's different. It is two hours after the end of the Qatar Grand Prix and we're sweating like you can't believe. Even our microphones have got condensation <laughs> on them. But when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And almost how fitting that Max Verstappen has won his third world title this weekend and dominated that Grand Prix. I mean, that, that has got to be some of the toughest conditions for sport that you will, you will ever see out there. I mean, when you, when you see the vast majority of the grid doing everything they can, going down the pit lane with their visors wide open, down the straight in the case of George Russell, what looked to be waving to the fans, calling himself down in the process. But yeah, the perseverance, unbelievable. Max, totally dominant didn't put a foot wrong in that race. Interesting to see the difference though between the sprint and the and the regular race format. And obviously he dominated Friday, dominated Sunday, but the, the struggle in that Saturday as well. So, but yeah, unbelievable performance from Max. It is title number three. Think back to 2021. It was that nip and tuck season with Lewis Hamilton. He gets it at the final race. 2022 is much more dominant, more straightforward, but nothing compared to what we've seen in 2023 he's just been utterly dominant and i i'd love you two to give me your memories if you like of what we've seen so far this year from max in terms of what has stood out for you i mean i go back to miami when he qualified 10th had a penalty and and then came through to win that race and it must have been so demoralizing for checo that because checo had won the previous race in baku and then max just bounced back something else and I think what's key about that is that if we look back to a couple of years ago and if Max was as dominant then as he was now, which he wasn't, but if he did ever have a bad qualifying, he would often crash out of the first corner, trying to get from 10th to 1st in, in the first corner. Whereas now I think we see such a mature driver that I guess Red Bull have molded over the years and okay it's taken a few years to get there but they've created this absolute machine that at the moment seems unbeatable. I think you're totally right. I think that the beast has been tamed and he's now in this in this spot where he's he's able to manage his aggression, he's able to extract it when it needs it. I mean, there have been so many points in this year where he has been under threat. You know, you know, for example, you look at that insane qualifying that we had in Monaco where 
almost any one of those guys in, in the top 10 could have been on pole. And that sector three, which only had probably three or four corners in it, and him to gain, gain back three tenths on that was just absolutely electric. Yeah, and that, that was versus us as well, us at Aston. Um, he just seems to pull it out of the bag, doesn't he? Like, it comes from nowhere sometimes. And, okay, some people really dislike this about Max. And, okay, you know, it's two sides to every story. But if we look at Singapore, how badly he took qualifying badly at Singapore whilst I don't necessarily agree with the way that he maybe dealt with it, that just shows his pure passion and desire to still be winning every single race. And I think that's admirable. That's what every driver should be like, you know? Maybe not dealing with it in that way, but his passion really, really excites me still. We're sat outside Red Bull and Raymond Vermeulen has joined us. He's clutching the Max Verstappen, the new for this weekend Max Verstappen uh, baseball cap. We had a Max Verstappen um, helmet for this race as well. We're just trying to sum up the job that your guy has done this year. And it's hard to put into words, but what has stood out for you this year in terms of what Max has done? Uh, Basically the dominance. I think he was on it each and every weekend. He didn't have any weak moments he scored each and every race, and then yeah, then you can nail it uh, as as we did uh, yesterday. How much of that comes from you? How much of it comes from his dad, from Christian, and how much of it comes from him? That need, that desire to constantly improve. I've been working with Max uh, for a very long time now, and he is very determined to uh, to perform and to get it done. So we are supportive in that role. Um, I think it's 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 good to have some solid anchors around him. I've worked with Jos, so I, I know Max since he was born. So uh, we have an, an unconditional trust in each other. So I think he he can concentrate on, on, on the racing side and on the technical part. And, and we are taking care of the rest. So he, he is fully focused on, on the job, what he has to do. And I'm doing my job and Jos is doing his job. And everyone is uh, performing uh, the best way possible. But Max is, of course, the key asset to, uh, to have this. We were just talking, Raymond, before, and Jess made a really good point, but Max just seems now that he's just been able to find that next level. Every single bit of aggression is, is it, it's there for him to extract if it needs him. It doesn't overtake him. It doesn't consume him. And now he's just turned into this ultimate warrior. Was there something that just particularly flipped the switch on that? Or was it a steady process that you're working on behind the scenes? No, I think, of course, we have the package to do it. So uh, the team built a rocket ship, as he said himself. Um, but I, I think that Max is absolutely very mature he's he's making no mistakes you know he's he know when to back off he know when to attack even today you know you could see the instruction from gp his engineer was saying okay you have to to pick up the speed a bit bang last sector is is, is green again so he, he reads the race he knows what he's doing so yeah he's he's still I've, i don't know what to come for next year but uh, it's unbelievable what he's doing really interesting you say what about next year where can he still improve I know that sounds a ridiculous thing to say, given the season he's just had, but he still talks about that desire to improve. He said just a minute ago in the press conference, I'm going to go and watch that race back and see what we could have done better. But is there anything 
in him that makes you think, oh, maybe that's an area? Let's, let's wait and see what the competition is doing next year. Of course, everyone will make a step. We have to make a step. So let's see and, 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 and enjoy this moment. But I think there's maybe more to come. Um, I don't know what that should be or what is more to, to, to get from him. But I think if the team is doing what they're doing, and even Honda, they, they, they build a fantastic engine and the package is working very well. So, yeah, let's enjoy this, this ride and uh, fully focus on, on the last part of the season. And uh, next year, is a, we start from zero again. Go on, Raymond. Okay, let's enjoy it. Wait, wait, wait. What does the party look like? What's the plan? Do you just, oh, is, it, is it a flight home? Do you have a celebration plan back in Monaco? Or is he just so focused that he's already thinking about Austin and what he's got to do there? We had a drink last night with the team and, and, and the whole team was there. And we had a drink and we had a laugh. And, and this morning it was back to business. Uh, we go back to Monaco tonight. Uh, of course, uh, we don't have any big plans uh, in place, but of course, end of season when the last race is done, there will be a, a big party for sure. Raymond, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Team principal Christian Horner is with us as well. Improving the unimprovable? Yeah, well, you can always improve, can't you? You can always get better. But in what areas, really? Because at least from the outside looking in, there are no weaknesses. There's always, there's always a fine, fine improvements, isn't there? So in every area card, everywhere, everything. Christian, I would just love to finish with you just summing up the job that the team has done this year, that Max has done this year, the way he's come out today and won his first race as a triple world champion, just, it doesn't seem to stop. The juggernaut doesn't stop. No, and I think what you're seeing is a driver and team in, in harmony and, and, you know, everybody getting the most out of each other, the, the, t the cars performing, the drivers performing. And of course, you know, a Formula One team is much more than what you see just at the track. It's about all the people behind the scenes in the 22 different departments that make up a Grand Prix team. So everybody has to be doing their part. And that's what that's the only way you achieve results like this. And uh, of course, in Max, we've got a, a generational talent. You had two cars out there today. Checo is in a rut. What do you do about that as the team boss? All we can do is support him. We know what he's capable of. We saw that earlier in the year and something's missing at the moment and we've just got to help him get back to the kind of form that he showed when he won in Saudi and Azerbaijan and something's missing at the moment and we need to work with him and support him to try and find that form. Is he overdriving the car? I mean, all those track limits today? I think it was a very difficult race for him today. So uh, again, you know, we'll go, we'll go through it. And it's most important thing, there's three races coming up with a huge amount of points, two double headers. So we need him to be on all cylinders. Good luck with that. Guys, thank you very much. Safe travels back. See you in Austin. When you look at what Sergio Perez is doing in that car, it looks bang ordinary, actually. It looks no better than any of the other top four cars on the grid. But in the hands of Max Verstappen, I don't think I've ever seen a car and driver in such harmony as what we're seeing between Max and that RB19. Yeah, totally. I think I think you'd you'd have to go back to the Schumacher days, 2004. I mean, you could argue you had it to a degree with Seb, but I'm mean, in particularly that lap in Japan that he did uh, a couple of Grand Prix ago. Obviously, it was just. But a, Sam, sorry to interrupt you. Go back to 2004. Rubens Barrichello did, on occasion, light it up and present a challenge to Schumacher back then. Whereas this is completely one-sided here at Red Bull. Yeah, I, it, you're absolutely right. And I, I but I, th I think you look at Checo and you. You, you have to put a lot of it down to the mental component. I mean, even in this Grand Prix, you know, inheriting those those time penalties with those track limits, you, he got the black and white 
very, very early in the race. And you can just see the frustrations just creeping in in so many different areas. And it seems to be getting worse and worse as the season goes on. If we look back to the start of the season, there were times where he was on a par with Max. And just from a few races in, it seems to have gone the wrong way for Checo, which is a real shame. And I guess once you get in that kind of mental state, it's then very difficult to, to pull it back. Jessica, how do you shake yourself out of that? Just, you know, you as with your racing driver hat on and as a sportswoman, when you're in that negative spiral, what can you do? I mean, Checo has said he's been with a sports psychologist. Yeah, and I can speak wonders for, for sports psychologists. I really can. Luckily, I've never been quite in the situation like Checo has, but in maybe other situations, it's very easy to, to get yourself in a bit of a rut. But me personally... When I speak to a sports psychologist, completely transforms me. I feel like for me, I'm able to keep myself fit, although PTs are always helpful, but I'm able to keep myself fit. I know what I need to do, whereas the mental game for me is where I really, really need help, and I can speak volumes for that. I think the other thing it can help with is that so often in motorsport, where when you're comparing yourself to a particularly dominant teammate, you're you're looking at that and going, how do I be more like Max? With whereas sports psychology is more about, well, how do I actually get the most out of myself and and the individual? And that's where I think it can actually make a massive difference. I mean, he's also got the sort of the arbitrary reset now. You know, both championships are sewn up. He can go into the next Grand Prix at Austin, and he can hopefully have a little bit of a fresh outlook on it and go, right, my season effectively just restarts now. I think it's going to be more difficult than that for him. I just think it makes really no difference whether Max has won the championship or not. He's still being outperformed drastically by his teammate. And I don't think anything with a click of a finger is going to get rid of that thought for him. Oscar Piastri with a dream weekend. Winner of the sprint yesterday, second in the Grand Prix today from sixth on the grid, and it's tenth on the grid to third in the race for Lando Norris, who finished 1.1 seconds behind his teammate. Wow, wait. Thanks, guys. That was uh, probably the hardest race I've ever had in my life, so nice uh, assistance from whoever bowled everyone over at turn one. Thank you. Another double podium. I know we let you down on Friday and Quali, but Hope we made up for it today. Oscar Piastri in P2, his best result in Formula One. Mate, how are you feeling? I'm sweating buckets and I've walked, I'm walking like a sloth very slowly in this heat and I'm struggling. How are you now? I'm, uh, I'm all right, actually. Uh, I'm tired, of course, but um, yeah, not too bad. It's just so humid. How do you recover from a race like this? Do you do nothing for a week? Uh, sleep, mainly. I mean, I just like to do that anyway, but... I'm, uh, I'm in the factory for three days this week, so uh, you know, there's not that much rest. But yeah, definitely a few, uh, few sleep-ins. And mate, that Saturday, unbelievable. Mm. Sprint quality pole, race win. That's got to be one for the record books for you. Yeah, definitely. It was a very, very cool day. Um, it doesn't quite have the same feeling as a, a race win. You know, if I had won the race today, I definitely would have felt like I earned it a lot more. So um, yeah. You know, it was a, a special day, very proud that I managed to, you know, do everything I needed to to qualify on pole and, and win the sprint. And uh, yeah, it's been a weekend to remember. Totally brilliant. Well done. Well done. Thank you so much. Great weekend. What an incredible story McLaren is this year. They had the slowest car in Bahrain yep. and they've now got, I think, certainly this weekend, emphatically the second fastest car. What a turnaround. The car's got pace and, and you see the team, they're gelling as well. I, I genuinely think there's just a huge resurgency that's happening here. 
And, and this is what I'm exciting to see because the bar is obviously so high with Max, but whether or not that's now a rising tide that's lifting all the other ships and everyone's getting enthused by the, the, you know, the notion that we can take the fight to them. And we're seeing this time and time again. And it really is just so impressive. I mean, Oscar yesterday, especially Jess, was just on fire. He really was. And I think that actually Red Bull are quite lucky that it's taken McLaren this long. Because at the moment, you know, McLaren are doing a very, very good job. They're quickly catching us as well, um, which is not great for us, but we will keep pushing. It was like the parting of the seas for Moses, actually, for Oscar Piastri at the start, wasn't he? Because he started sixth and he was going through turn one and with all the chaos going on in front of him, the two Mercedes crashing and then actually Fernando, didn't he, Jessica? He got sort of caught out, almost blocked, so Fernando was slowed and suddenly Oscar found himself in P2. That obviously helps his race a lot, but... That guy, Jess, Oscar Piastri, he is a rookie and he is just getting better and better and better. Is that how you see it? Yeah, he's excelling. And I think I think it's been obvious all year that his outright pace, especially in qualifying, has been very, very strong. He was then, you know, early part of the season, perhaps struggling compared to Lando on his race pace, struggling to manage the tyres. But certainly as we see the year go on and on and on, that's becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. And he's really beginning to start to show his potential. Lando, if we can come to you now. Tremendous drive from P10 on the grid. Very well done to you. What were your expectations coming into the race, first of all? Oh, um, I mean, I think we knew we had great pace. So it was a bit tough to, to know with what you had to do with the pit stops and things. I think it was a bit hard for anyone to really know how it's all going to play out. But we knew we had great pace, maybe not initially to fight for, for a win, but to get up to, to the front at least. And initially I would say to fight the Mercedes, but they did a, a lovely job of um, yeah, making our life a lot easier. So didn't really need to think of that and could just focus on, on catching the guys that we were definitely quicker than, which was the Ferrari and the Astons. And yeah, by the time I came through turn one though, I, I felt like you know we, we could at least fight for the podium straight away. So yeah, from lap one, podium was, was on the cards and was my target. But the pace turned out to be probably better than I was expecting, you know, for us to be at points of the race, probably a bit quicker than Max, maybe at some points a bit slower. But I think on the whole, for us to finish P3 was uh, as good as it could have been today. So I'm happy for the whole team, um, for Oscar, for, for everyone in McLaren, for us to be on the pod two guys on the podium again for a third time is, is uh, fantastic. We haven't heard you say quicker than Max really at any point this year. Do you feel that you've been closer to him at this race than anywhere else we've been so far? Uh, yes, yeah, probably. I think, um, I mean, I don't know how, you know how much quicker Max could have done in qualifying, but I guess if I want to be honest with myself, you know, I, I should have fought for two pole positions this weekend and potentially two victories. I know, I know it's a big thing to say, but I think if things went well, if I just did a better job and didn't make the mistakes I did over the last two days, which is why I've been so frustrated because I knew what was on the cars, what we were able to, to potentially achieve. Uh, and that was victories both uh, yesterday and today. So I feel like um, it was a weekend of, of missed opportunities for myself to take the fight to Max and at least give ourselves that opportunity. So I don't know, there's, there's good things and bad things. I feel like I've missed out and didn't do what I should have done and, and achieve what I should have achieved. But I'm definitely so happy with a P3. You know, I can't take anything away from that. But uh, in the back of my head, I know I should have done more this weekend. And in your head, do you think it could have been a P2 had you not had the team orders? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I, I like whenever I got a bit closer towards uh, Oscar, the, the dirty air was quite a big struggle. 
Like as soon as even with the back markers, you got within three seconds or something, you immediately lost time around a circuit where it's so much about load and and these long corners. As soon as you have a bit of dirty air, it's a big struggle. So I think my, my pace was uh, was definitely a bit better, but it's hard to know. And um, I mean, Oscar's done a very good job all weekend. He's beaten me. He's been extremely quick. He's made less mistakes and, and he's come out on top. So um, hats off to him too. We saw a lot of mistakes from Lando Norris this weekend. Both of his Q3 runs were ruined by track limits. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard for Lando, uh, especially... It's hard because he's now being put under pressure in a way that he hasn't been thus far in his Formula One career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at some point, you know, he's been where Oscar is at the moment, the new kid on the block who's setting every, you know, the paddock on fire. Everyone's looking at you can almost do no wrong in that sort of insurgency through the grid. Uh, now he's got to look over the shoulder and go, hey, this guy's keeping me honest. And he's done so with such a short time in the car. And, and that's that's one of the most ominous things that you can deal with as a driver. It's like, it took me a long time to get the skill set where I'm at now. This guy's just come into the car, rookie in the season, and he's less than a tenth away from me at multiple Grand Prix. That's, that's going to play on the psyche. But he's also quite cool, calm and collected. You know, he's still having a bit of a laugh on the radio with the engineers, even towards the end of the race here. So he knows the score. So you can see there's, there's a great teamwork and team camaraderie in that, in, in that team at the moment. Max actually said after the race that he thinks McLaren uh, has the best combined driver lineup in Formula One. So he can, Ooh, he shout. did say that. And, and he, so I think he can see the train coming and he knows that they need a good car next year. Totally, totally. To beat um, McLaren. Absolutely. And they're not to be underestimated. And Andrea Stella is, is doing a, a sensational job. He's galvanizing the team. I was watching him in Singapore. You know, he took his time to actually go to each an individual member of, of the team and the hospitality, making sure they feel it's just, it seems something that they're really building is fantastic. But Jess, what about the team orders? The team orders at the end, Lando, hold station. We're going to keep the formation till the end. What is it? There was... 12 laps to go at that point, yeah. something like that. Were you disappointed? Uh, look, as a driver, yes, that would be very frustrating for Lando. But as a team, that's the best thing that they could have done. Honestly, I hate to say it, but they have to play the long game. And the long game is just to have the two cars finish in second and third. And I don't think they were, I think they would have been silly to risk them letting them race. Maybe secure whatever they need to secure before letting them race, you know, um, Personally, I think they did the right thing, albeit right. frustrating for the I'm, I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but let's say that Max Verstappen had had a technical problem with five laps to go. And so suddenly you're talking about the lead of the race. Neither McLaren driver has won a Grand Prix. Of course, Oscar had that tremendous result in the sprint yesterday, but is that what Lando's issue was when he was questioning the team order? Yeah, and, and that's what I, I think, I think that's, definitely something that's playing on Lando's mind you know he's been so close on so many occasions he desperately wants that for the team and Oscar's obviously had a fantastic day on Saturday so I'm with you I think it's I think it's also a bit of a reaction as to what happened with Mercedes they've seen how that can drastically change the turn of the events and they just want right we don't want any of that let's bring it home I would personally love to see them race to be honest because that's that's what we've come here well, to see awesome is this Andrea Stella preparing the ground for next year when hopefully McLaren will will be so, fighting I, for wins and therefore he's just saying the team is bigger than the driver don't forget that I think this is one of the big questions of the paddock do you have a number one and number two driver or do you have two 
incredibly good drivers that are pushing you know that far from each other just tiny tiny margins the obvious problem is is that if you have the latter you've got to be able to manage it you've got to be able to manage the interactions now happily between oscar and, and lando those interactions look incredibly healthy from the outside in you don't see anything creeping in and radio messages you see fun you see banter you see great psychology there same can't be said for i mean we look at george russell the roller coaster of emotions that he went through trying to figure out whether or not he was to blame or not so there's frustration creeping in there so yeah i think there maybe is an element of that where Andreas is just going like, well, I've got to set the ground here. I've got to make sure that this doesn't evolve into something that becomes like uh, Lewis and, and Nico, etc. So the gap, let's look at the Constructors' Championship now. McLaren are currently fifth, 11 points behind you guys. <laughs> Jess, what are you guys thinking at Aston? Are you worried about the situation with McLaren? Do you think it's going to be difficult for you to stay in P4? We're well aware that they're coming and we can see them. Um, we are still pushing as hard as we can for fourth and we do have a couple of upgrades on the way but if fifth is what it is we are still very aware that that is still a massive step forward than what it was from last year so morale is high albeit fourth or fifth but we are still very much pushing for fourth I think they need to be even, I'm talking about McLaren now, I think they need to be even more ambitious than fourth. I think they should be aiming at Ferrari in third. They're 79 points behind Ferrari. Five races to go, two of those are sprint. I think it's achievable. I mean, Ferrari shot themselves in the foot a little bit here with Carlos Sainz not being able to start. But McLaren is just on a roll. There's momentum. Just look at the pit stop, 1.8 seconds. Everything seems to be clicking. Christian Horner talks about Red Bull, just everything in the business, he refers to the business, everything in the business is working in harmony is how he describes Red Bull. And I think we're not far off being able to talk in similar terms about McLaren. They need to continue the momentum. And, and I think you're absolutely right. The better that they can do that now towards the end of the season, go into winter knowing that they've done an unbelievable job. They'll obviously know the trajectory as to what their, their car's looking like next year. They've solved some pretty fundamental issues this year. They definitely need to keep it up. They need to, they need to make sure that they, they do a good job. Good reaction time for Lewis Hamilton. George Russell putting the pressure on Max Verstappen. Hamilton got the launch off the line, goes around the outside. He's hit his teammate. Lewis Hamilton turns into George Russell and the Mercedes collide at the first turn. Three into one, did not go. And the wheel came off there for Lewis Hamilton. The wheels come off for Mercedes. Lost the words, honestly. To send the replays on the TV screen. Couldn't do anything. Totally sandwiched. Lap one. Uh, obviously gutting and um, massive apology to everyone back at the factory. Um, yeah, it was just, I think it's just probably a racing incident, but I take full responsibility for it. I don't think George really had anywhere to go, so it's always in hindsight you do things differently. Bitterly disappointing what happened at the start. It all happened so quick. I, I made a good start, Lewis made a good start. I was alongside Max uh, and next thing just got completely sandwiched and um, there was nowhere I was going, so I, you know, I felt so disappointed for us both because we knew we was going to work together you know we both said we both want to be standing on that podium it doesn't matter what order we're here for the team and I know there was nothing intentional you know we, we have so much respect for one another it's very difficult um, these F1 cars to see when there's certain blind spots in the car of course this, this should never happen but you know of course we'll talk and we'll go from there. Let's talk about some serious drama in the race now it all happened at turn one between the two Mercedes drivers, Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, 
Coming to blows at turn one, Lewis Hamilton has since held his hand up. But I'd love the racing driver's point of view in terms of what Lewis on the faster tyre, he was on the soft, George was on the hard, uh, on the medium. What was your read of the situation in terms of was Lewis, did he just not see him or was he being too aggressive? Or? No, I, th I feel like Lewis would have known he was there. He just thought he was further ahead than what he was. Maybe he thought he left him more room than he did. But as soon as I saw it, I thought, and then when I heard Lewis saying I got taken out by my teammate, I thought, once you see the replay, you're going to have a very, very different opinion of that. And I don't think George had anywhere to go. Lewis just needed to leave him a little bit more room, but I don't think it was done intentionally. Well, it obviously wasn't done intentionally, but maybe he just thought he was further past him than what he was. It is a byproduct of when you have two guys that are so close. I mean, what is it, 9-8 and George in qualifying at the moment against a seven-time world champ. Um, you know, he's doing an, an absolutely stellar job. They would have wanted to maximize these points as much as they possibly could this weekend, especially knowing before the race that they got a Ferrari out as well in the Constructors' Championship. So it, it, it just adds in injury to insult in that regard. But um, yeah, I think they've got to be careful that they steer it in the right direction. They're two very level-headed, sensible characters, so I think they can. In conclusion about Mercedes, yes, that turn one accident was Lewis Hamilton's fault. He's held his hand up. And that's very big of him. And I think it, it's a mark of the man that he's prepared to do that. And it's a racing incident and these things happen. And Lewis's spatial awareness, he's such a clean racing driver that I think they could be confident that that won't happen again. But what it emphasized really is that the battle for P2 in the Constructors' Championship is so close between Mercedes and Ferrari this year, just the 28 points separating Mercedes second and Ferrari third and when you have a race like the one we've just had in which Carlos Sainz doesn't start and the pace of the Ferrari wasn't quite there Leclerc coming home in fifth place you really have to capitalize on moments like that and that is what Mercedes haven't been able to do they had a quick car we saw it in qualifying Russell starting P2 and actually driving a very convincing race to P4 in the sprint on Saturday as well. So the pace of the car was there and it's just frustrating, I think, for everyone at Mercedes that they haven't been able to capitalize on the misfortune at Ferrari, which means we have five races to go and it's a very difficult one to call as to who is going to finish ahead because the gap is so close between them. But that's where the focus is going to be now for the rest of this year. In a way, for the neutral, thank goodness, in a way that they both had a car not finished, Sainz at Ferrari not starting and Hamilton out at Turn 1, because it means that no one really won, no one really lost, and we go with five races to go with very little between those two teams. So we've discussed the big three, if you like, from the Qatar Grand Prix. Of course, the success of Red Bull, the charge of McLaren, and the controversy going on at Mercedes. But it was also a brilliant day down at Alfa Romeo with both drivers finishing in the points. And I've got one of them in front of me now. Now, Joe, how do you go from last into the points? Can you just explain that journey? Yeah, it was uh, very impressive, obviously, from everyone from the team, also from my side, just to purely on pace, really. Uh, the pace was great. We was actually one of you know, maybe top six fastest car at the end. So with that hard stint, that makes me the, the chance to fight for the points again. So very happy, but uh, yeah, the race was so hot. So just one thing about the performance of the car, I was sort of reminded of Hungary here 
is that a fair comparison? You, remember, you, you were so competitive there. Was it? Did it feel like that here? Uh, not really. I feel it was stronger if anything in Singapore. I think today the race graph, race pace, we was just on it and uh, you know managed well. But uh, Budapest, we was let's say to achieve that, it felt a little bit easier. You know, we had the car straight away from the first session, very fast top ten. So this weekend more tricky. You know, the track certain stands, but uh, overall happy with the outcome. Joe, what a fantastic race. First point since Spain. Great to see you back up there. Best of luck uh, in you. Austin and for the rest of the season. Yeah, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you, guys. And of course, Jess, they have overtaken uh, Haas in the Constructors' Championship. Alfa Romeo now eighth. They were ninth. So that double points finish is worth, what, 10 million? $10 million to the team? Well, yeah, it's, it's something like that, result, isn't, it? isn't it? Just Isn't it funny how one race can just completely change everything? Um, especially when the lower tier teams, you know, one point can really, really affect it. That can jump them up two places even, or three places. Um, but yeah, great to see Joe doing well. I, th I think he's a very, very good driver, actually. And I think he's. Um, it's nice to see him get some reward. Yep, completely agree. And as we wander down the paddock, we are now, well, we're outside your team. We are, um, back at home. Mixed fortunes. I mean, Alonso goes from P4 on the grid to P6. He was complaining about something very hot under his seat, wasn't he, at one point? But, and it actually, was the car quite difficult to drive? What, what were they saying after the race? Because he, he did have a couple of excursions, didn't he? Yeah, um, we don't often see mistakes from Fernando, but there was one quite costly one there, which is unfortunate to see, but... Um, obviously on the road P9 with Lance as well. So it was a really great drive from him. Um, unfortunate about the five second penalty that we got, but all in all, it wasn't terrible. I think the best that we would have got out of that race, even if Fernando didn't have that off, was probably fifth. Maybe we could have fought for fourth a bit more, but I think unlikely. Now, look, while we're talking about your team, I did want to ask you about your test in Hungary a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I'm hearing so many positive things from the team about your pace and also the way you prepared and everything. Just, it's been two weeks now. How do you reflect on the whole experience? Honestly, I'm still on cloud nine. Um, my first thought is how do I get myself back in it? But I guess I wouldn't be a racing driver if that wasn't the case. But honestly, it was the best day of my life. And I'm just so thankful for having the trust from the team to let me in it because it's not every day, you know, they don't just throw anybody in the car. So they really must have believed that I was ready. And to have that belief from them means a lot to me. Do you think there's a chance you'll get back in it? Because as I said, I've spoken to some engineers and they say you actually were very quick relative to Felipe Drogovic, Formula 2 champion who was out at the same time. Do you think there is a chance? Well, look, I think I've done everything they can. It all depends if the opportunity arises. I don't think it would be a question of shall we put her back in or not? I think it's more of a, is there going to be another opportunity? We're not sure. So who knows? Um, I'd like to say yes. I did everything I could to ensure. But um, honestly, look, best case scenario is an FP1 for me. But at the moment, I don't have enough super license points. It's that simple. Um, so unless that rule changes, it simply won't be possible. Are we going to see you on the sim more? Yeah, I mean... Back in Silverstone? You know, not really regular, but I'm a regular at the sim anyway. So it's, it's nothing that nothing too drastic is going to change there um, but what I really would like to do is just make sure I um, keep keep turning up to, to the odd sim day and keep my foot in because the, the, there would be nothing worse than me spending six months out of the sim and then getting a phone call to say it's happening again and then I've got to you know learn to drive the sim again. 
Now, you've driven such an eclectic array of cars in your career, both racing cars, single-seaters, BTCC, British Touring Car Championship. I mean, you're a stunt driver. The list is endless. How different was the F1? I guess I mean, the, is a car a car at some level, or is this just To some degree, a car is a car, and if it's got four wheels, I'll give it a go. But it was a big step from W Series, I guess, which was a Formula Regional car, which I guess trying to compare it to something is somewhere between an F4 car and an F3 car, probably slightly closer to an F3 car. Um, so, And the normal progression would be Formula 2, Formula 1. So I've obviously gone from Formula 3.5, which is a big step, but I felt comfortable in the car. I felt like I could push from very early on. And really, honestly, I think that whilst my career has been really frustrating at times because I've not had the budget to race what I want to race, um, it's actually done me the world of good because I've had to adapt to things fast which is what I think I did on the day well there's no doubt Jess that you are blazing a trail you're an inspiration to so many people which leads me on to what's happening in Austin in two weeks time because it's the final round of F1 Academy you're not racing in it but give us your thoughts on F1 Academy it seems to me that it's picked up the mantle of W Series. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think so. I think the championship philosophy is a fantastic idea. It's giving a platform for young women to develop their skills, but not only that, to inspire the younger generation. And for, I don't know, maybe the eight-year-olds, six-year-olds turning on the telly and watching F1 Academy can be like, oh, they're women racing. And maybe if they were to turn on Formula One, they wouldn't know that women were actually able to do that. And that's how I think that we're going to see more females in the coming years at the pinnacle of motorsport because for sure it is inspiring more younger women. And that final round in Austin is is being televised. I think it's going to 180 countries. So it's going to be seen by lots of eyeballs. But next year, all the Formula One teams have got entries, haven't they, in, in F1 Academy? Yeah, yeah, we've got, we will have a team in Formula One Academy next year. I will have a heavy involvement and that's something that I'm very proud and honoured to be doing. So, And that's kind of a project that I feel like I can take under my wing and lead it in the direction that I want it to go in. Um, but yes, very proud to be having that role within the team. Let's catch up with Tom McCulloch, who is the chief engineer here at Aston Martin. Tom, we're just talking about Jessica's test yep. at the Hungara ring. She did a cracking good job, didn't she? She, she really did. So as expected, really, from all the simulator work, but in the car, worked with the team really well, built up every single lap, getting better and better, you know, and yeah, it was real pleasure to see happen and a very, very impressive job. Can we just bring it on to this weekend as well? How was the car in that Grand Prix? Fernando bringing it home in sixth, but Jess and I were just talking about, he did have a trip through the gravel. It Was it a bit of a handful? I think all weekend it's been a challenge for everybody here. The grip's so low, uh, the nature of the track means you're trying to protect your front tyres, but then your entry instability gets a bit difficult at times doing that as well. And Fernando's been wringing the neck out of the car all weekend. And as you saw, quite a few people had little snaps, and before you know it, bang, you're, you're through the gravel, you're off the track limit. So it was really, really tough out there. On top of that, so hot and humid for all the drivers. and. He definitely, I think we could have had the chance of beating Leclerc if he'd not done that. But, you know, in all honesty, it was uh, it was pretty hard to do that. He reported on the radio that there was something very hot under his seat. It's very hot, very humid. Um, we have, you know, had some hot seat issues in the past um, and he felt very, very hot. But at the end of the race, both drivers saying everything inside the car's hot. 
Um, so it's an area we need to see if we can help a bit to make it a bit more of a comfortable environment for them. Tom, many thanks. Thank you very much. That's Tom McCulloch. The top 10 look like this. Max Verstappen took win number 14 of this 2023 campaign and win number 49 of his Formula One career. Oscar Piastri got his best result in Formula One to date in second place with Lando Norris taking his fifth podium of the season in third. George Russell four-stopped his way to fourth place with Charles Leclerc in fifth. Fernando Alonso the lead Aston Martin driver in sixth. Esteban Ocon in seventh. And then came the two Alfa Romeos, Valtteri Bottas in eighth, Joe Guanyu in ninth, and Sergio Perez rounding out the top ten in tenth. In the Drivers' Championship, Max Verstappen extended his lead once again. He now has 433 points. That's 209 ahead of his teammate Sergio Perez in second place. Lewis Hamilton is third, just 11 points ahead of Fernando Alonso in fourth, with Carlos Sainz fifth, eight points ahead of his teammate Charles Leclerc in sixth. Then comes Lando Norris in seventh, who's galloping up the order on 136 points, with George Russell eighth now on 132. Oscar Piastri the rookie in ninth on 83 and Lance Stroll 10th on 47. In the Constructors' Championship, there is something extraordinary happening at the top. Red Bull Racing now have a total of 657 points and the gap to Mercedes in second place is greater than Mercedes' actual total. That gap being 331 points with Mercedes' total being 326. Ferrari a third on 298, 68 points ahead of Aston Martin in fourth with McLaren fifth on 219. Alpine a sixth on 90, Williams a seventh on 23. Alfa Romeo have jumped up one place to be eighth with 16 points, Haas a ninth on 12 and Alfa Tauri a tenth with five. So Oscar Piastri got the driver of the day on the telly. Who is our driver of the day individually? Sam? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, look, I, I love the bounce back from George, to be honest. I mean, he was, he was pulling off some fantastic moves, just confident, especially under the conditions where you've, you've sustained damage to the car. You're not quite sure whether or not you're going to have the same car underneath you after the pit stop. And, and you know, he threw caution into the wind and, and tried to make as, as good a run as he could for the podium. Didn't quite get there, but he did a brilliant job. It'd be remiss of me not to support my fellow compatriot, Mr. Oscar Piastri, on that front. Bloody good job, mate. Well done. But, uh, yeah, well, You're George, only allowed one. Driver of the day. One. Good point. Uh, look, I... Georgie boy did well. Oscar on Saturday for me was special, but I, I'm going with George for today. Okay. Jess, do you know what? I'd have to agree with George as well, but I think it is close between him and Oscar. But I'm going to go with George as well. What particularly stood out about George this weekend? His comeback drive, his his overtaking were decisive. He didn't do anything silly, but he was firm and confident with everything that he did. Um, shame about his. Soft tyres at the end. It would have been nice to have seen what he could have done with the two McLarens at the end. But um, I think a champion's drive from him. Well, so we've got one George, two Georges. I'm going with your Aussie friend. Oscar. Yeah, I thought Oscar Piastri has been stunning today. He makes it look so easy in the way that Max Verstappen does. We forget how much pressure is on these guys. Okay, he tested here last year. He did a few laps. But really, it's a new racetrack. He's still learning the rules of the game and he just delivers time and time again and I'm going with everyone on the telly Oscar Piastri yeah I, I think this kid is turning into something awfully special and he's doing it at a vast rate and rate of knots 
Um, psychologically, he's so strong. I mean, I've, I've listened to Mark talk about it, even when he was in F3, him trying to go for the championship, and he was just so nonchalant about it. And you just see he's carried that with him in F2, now into F1, and it's just, it's snowballing. The whole thing is snowballing, as you said before about McLaren. So that may be something that maybe we, that's how we get the, the juggernaut challenged. Could it be? Could it be? All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you to you as well, Sam and Jess. We will, of course, be back next week with our preview of the United States Grand Prix in Austin. But for now, F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. <laughs>